Welcome to Grit, the Real Estate Growth Mindset Podcast, hosted by Brian Charlesworth, founder of Sisu. Sisu provides growth automation software for real estate. You'll hear stories from real estate thought and technology leaders, team owners, and brokers on how they grew their business in a rapidly changing industry. You'll learn how to transform your brokerage and teams into a high-performing and analytics-driven business so you have a new, durable, competitive advantage against disruption in your market. So let's get right into it. All right. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm Brian Charlesworth, and I'm the CEO of Sisu and your host of the show. And today I'm here with Kyle Whistle. Uh, I've known Kyle from, uh, oh, it's been about just over a year now, probably, Kyle. Yep. And uh, Kyle's one of the top team owners uh, in real estate down in the San Diego area. He moved over to EXP a while back, and I know he's he's actually built a phenomenal business from that as well. So a lot of exciting things to talk about. I'd like to just give Kyle a few minutes to introduce himself and talk about some of his big objectives for uh, 2020. Yeah, for sure. I appreciate you having me on the show, man. Um, I am here in San Diego, California. I started in real estate when I was 20, uh, bought my first property while I was in college, um, made a ton of money in a few months and got completely addicted to the industry. Um, never thought in a million years I would get into real estate. Um, coming from a real estate family, I was kind of anti-real estate growing up, but uh, when you make like 17 grand in three months while you're in college, it's kind of hard to ignore that. Um, so I made a, a good amount of money, got hooked on real estate, got the bug, uh, worked with my dad in the commercial real estate space for about five or six years. We did a lot of stuff selling apartment buildings to uh, people who would gut those and rehab them and resell them individually as condos. Um, that was really amazing. And then that market dried up here in San Diego and I made the decision at that point to uh, separate and branch out from my dad and start my own thing and moved over to the residential side. Um, initially, I did a lot of REOs, a lot of short sales, um, things along those lines. I leveraged those to build up a team um, and have been running a team ever since. Our team, we've consistently been selling 300 plus homes here in San Diego. Uh, by the time 2019 is over, we should finish somewhere around 350 sales. We're trying to cram as many in as we can before the year's over um, and finish just under 200 million this year. So 2019 has been amazing. And then heading into 2020, uh, we have a, a very lofty goal to sell over 1,000 houses and half a billion in volume. And uh, I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about how we're gonna do that today. Awesome, Kyle. Congratulations, by the way. I mean, when most people think of selling 350 homes, I don't think they're thinking the 200 million number. I'm usually hearing more like 100 million. So tell us what's your price point down there and and how do you sell? I, I think a lot of people have the mindset that if homes are priced at that price point, that I can't sell as many, right? So sure. talk to us about that. And what's the market like down there? Yeah, so our average price point, uh, we're running about 565 is our average price point right now. The median price in San Diego is about 600. So we play right about the median, maybe a hair under that median price point. Um, I prefer to kind of play right around the median just because I've done this long enough now to know that when the market shifts, which I don't know if that's gonna happen in 2020, 2021, 2022, or, or when, but whenever a market shifts, 
that median price product still sells. Um, I'll always have this, this war wound or just this memory when we did a lot of REO and short sale back in the day. I remember pulling up Rancho Santa Fe and at one point there was over five years worth of inventory of multi-million dollar homes for sale. And wow. that's just not a market I want to be a part of. You, there you was don't want to have nowhere else in the those? county that had inventory like that. Um, and I just don't want to be a part of that. Um, I love the consistency and the stability of playing in the median price range where we're just, you know, on average, we're selling a house a day. Um, I love to play in that range and just be real consistent. So consistency, I think that's a that's a key takeaway really right now already, Kyle. The, I think a lot of people can get easily stuck in the rut of here in, here in Salt Lake, you know, your average price point's around 350. And a lot of people are going after those elephants, right? The, the million dollar homes or the 750,000 and up. And already in today's market, I'm already seeing that those are slowing down. Is that the same way in San Diego where the top price has slowed down? But if you look at that mean or that median priced home, it's still moving in the first you know, couple of weeks or and getting oh. multiple offers. Is that how it is there? Yeah, and it's all relative. I and mean, we have zip codes in San Diego where the average price is a million dollars. Um, so it's all relative to the specific market. Um, what we're seeing is once you get to about double the median price is where you really start to see a drop off on things. When you get three to four times the median, it's really, really tough to sell those properties. Um, so I don't like listing properties that have a massive outlay of cash and rarely ever sell. I mean, you know, you get in our market into that three, four, five million price range. Those things sell maybe a third of the time with the first agent that lists them. A lot of times those things go through two, three, four agents before they actually sell. Well, the expectation on a price point like that is that you're going to do a lot more marketing, which means you're going to spend a lot more money. And a third of the time, it's not going to sell. Like, that's just not where I want to play. And you're going to sit on these listings for six months, for 12 months, right? You know, for us, we're six to 12 days a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, and I like that. I don't like having to call my seller, you know, week after week or month after month telling them, hey, we have no offers. We need to adjust price. Hey, we have no offers. We need to adjust the price. Like, I don't want to have to deal with that. Um, so I love when I get to call my clients and tell them, hey, we've got multiple offers. You know, let's sit down. Let's go over our strategy. How are we going to get as much as we can out of these uh, buyers that we've got on the table? Awesome. I 100% agree with your strategy. And I think that's a great takeaway for anybody listening. Tell us, uh, when was it you, you got into commercial real estate? What year was that? Um, so the first property I bought was a three unit property that was in 2000. Um, and then I jumped into commercial immediately there after and worked with my dad. Um, and I did that until, um, you know, 2007, 2008 roughly is when I actually made the shift over. So when I moved into residential was at the absolute bottom, but yeah. I did it because I saw the opportunity because what happened is those same investors who were converting apartments into condos, when they no longer could do that, they had money that they needed to use and they would say, Hey, Kyle, what about this, you know, REO listing? What about the short sale listing? And I would look up the listing agent and I would see, holy cow, this girl's got, you know, 400 REO listings. This guy's got 300 short sale listings. Like that's, that would be nice to actually, you know, have consistency like that. Cause in commercial, they're, they're much bigger deals, but they're far less frequent. And, you know, I was in my early twenties at that point and big checks in your early twenties 
they go to bad places. Uh, a lot of money spent in Vegas and have us do in places along those lines. Um, so I saw the opportunity, you know, to move over um, into the residential side and to focus on the distressed properties. And so we moved over initially, we went heavy on short sales because those we could market direct to consumer. Um, and while we were marketing direct to consumer, we did a lot of direct mail with those. Um, and while we were doing that, we, I was also working on the relationships with the REO companies and, or more specifically the asset management companies. And so those, that took probably two years to really break through with those relationships, but those relationships, you know, started to grow like crazy. And we ended up having Fannie Mae direct, we had HUD direct, I mean, we landed a lot of the really big accounts. And so then we were a very balanced um, company where we had a lot of short sales and a lot of REOs. And then with all those listings, there's obviously a lot of leads that come along with that. And so I was able to leverage those leads to build my team into what it is today, which as we headed to 2020 is going to be north of 60 people, including salespeople, admins, Zillow team, all of that. So you build a team in your first two years in residential. Yeah, I've never worked a day in my life without an assistant. Um, so if you don't have an assistant, you are the assistant. I, uh, I'm all about that. Like I just got a call that my car is getting detailed and one of the tires is, is completely bald. I can just tell my assistant, hey, call the body shop who did work on it recently, tell them they need to fix it. Like the fact that I don't have to spend time calling a body shop and sitting on hold and waiting for calls back, like that's, that's so nice. Or I also today I needed to do something with one of my domains on GoDaddy. And like, I don't have time to call around and search for solutions and, and all of this, like, Hey, figure this out, go like to have somebody who can do that stuff. So I can focus my time on, you know, doing a podcast like this, it's going to reach agents across the country. Or, you know, after this, I have a recruiting meeting. Um, after that, I have, you know, another video that I'm going to shoot. Those are things that are better usage of my time. Meanwhile, my assistant can take care of some of those tedious things that are going to throw me off track. So let's dig into that a little deeper. So this is something I actually learned from my wife, because uh, I used to do all kinds of random things that were not the best use of my time. And I've since learned over the last five years that if, you know, if I can pay somebody $10 or $20 an hour when I'm making whatever I'm making, right, that it's in my best interest to do that and focus on growing the business that I'm in. Talk a little bit more about some of the other things that you've leveraged and maybe add to what I just said on why that's important. Yeah, so the, the thing is you need to know the value of your time. So the majority of agents are, if let's assume you work 40 hours a week, you take a couple weeks off every year, you work 2000 hours a year. That's what you, you're putting in. Um, and let's assume you make 200 grand. So your time therefore is worth $100 an hour. Maybe you made 100 grand, okay, your time is worth $50 an hour, whatever that number is. But in our market, we like to think of our time as being worth at least $100 an hour um, as an agent. And some of the mistakes that I see agents make is they do these tasks that they could pay people $15, $20 an hour for. A couple of those that come to mind is putting out open house signs. Like that's, can I cuss on your show? Are we cool? You can, you can say whatever you want. <laughs> fucking insane that agents are out there putting out their own open house signs. Like that's so crazy because one, there's people you could pay 20 bucks an hour to do that, 50 bucks an hour, whatever. Um, and instead of you 
before your open house, running all over the place, sweating, you know, dodging cars and dodging traffic and not trying to trip over curves and all of that stuff. Instead of doing that, you're getting to the house nice and early. You're getting the lights on, you're getting music on, you're getting, you know, your Sensi warmers on, you're, you're getting the stage set for that house and you're getting yourself pumped up. You're spending a little bit of time reviewing what are the other homes that are for sale in the neighborhood and how does this home compare to those homes. And so now, you know, 15 minutes before the open house starts, it's the house is completely ready. You're ready, your mind is right. But instead, you're out there, you know, hauling signs for two hours before your open house. And then you show up, you're hot, you're sweaty, you're not in the right state of mind. You're just, you're all kinds of fucked up and you have an ineffective open house. And, and honestly, what ends up happening more so is that the agents only put like four or five signs out because they don't wanna be doing it. So like, whatever, I'll put a couple signs out, fuck it. Like, why only put a couple signs out? If you're gonna sit in a house for two, three, four hours, why are you only gonna put, spend five minutes putting two signs out? Like, spend money, spend 50 bucks, spend a hundred bucks, whatever it costs to have somebody go and put signs out, put 25 signs out, put 50 signs out, put a hundred signs out. Like open houses are a huge opportunity. If you're gonna sit in that house for two or three hours, you should have as many signs out as you possibly can because the more signs you have out, one, it's branding you, and two, it's gonna to lead to more traffic coming to your open house, which creates more opportunities for you. But you're too cheap and too stupid to pay somebody 50 bucks, 100 bucks to do your signs for you because you're trying to save money, but in reality, you're costing yourself hundreds if not thousands of dollars as a result of it. Um, or another one that I'm real passionate about is let's say you are promoting your open house. You know, you want to go use the open house as means to connect with people in the neighborhood. So if you're gonna go out and door knock the neighborhood, if you're actually going out and physically knocking on doors, man, more power to you. That's hard to do. And that's easily a $500 an hour task if, you, if you'll actually go out there and do it. But what I see agents doing all the time is like, I'm gonna go door knocking. And what they're really doing is they just walk up to the door, drop a flyer at the door walk to the next door, drop a flyer at the door, walk to the next door. Like I pay $15 an hour for that. But what an agent's thinking is like, oh, well, I'm saving myself $15. It's called $20. I'm saving myself $20 an hour because I'm just, I'm going to do it myself. No, if your time's worth a hundred and you're paying 20, yes, you are saving 20, but you're costing yourself a hundred. The net effect is an $80 loss per hour, every hour that you're doing that. But agents, a lot of times, they just want to fill their eight hour day or their six hour day or their 10 hour day or whatever it is. They just want to fill it and they feel fulfilled if they did stuff for those eight or 10 hours. But if it wasn't $100 an hour activities, what did you really do? Maybe you could have worked instead of an eight hour day, you could have outsourced two hours of it and you could have gone home and spent more time with your family if you chose to. Or you could have took those two hours and spent those on income producing activities and made more money. You know, your choice, pick your poison. I choose to get home early because I love spending time with my family. Um, but some people would rather get two extra hours of, of prospecting in or of door knocking or whatever the case may be. So just be smart. Think about every activity that you do. Is this a hundred dollar an hour activity? If not, who can I outsource this to? Sometimes you, maybe you hire your full-time assistant. That's what I would recommend you will find things for them to do. Um, but maybe that's not, you know, in your wheelhouse, you can find third party companies that'll put your signs up for you. You could find companies that'll go drop flyers for you, whatever the case may be. 
Those are some great examples. Uh, one thing that uh, adds along those same lines, I want to get your opinion on showing assistance uh, versus if, if I'm an agent, should I show my own houses or should I get a showing assistant? I would say that depends. That is a hundred dollar an hour activity to be showing houses. Anytime you're face to face with clients that are looking to buy or sell real estate, that is a hundred dollar an hour activity. So as you scale up, I think there's a time and a place for showing assistance. Um, one of the things that we offer for our team um, at Whistle Realty Group is that we have somebody who coordinates showings for our agents. So let's say you want to go show five properties Saturday at 10, starting at 10 o'clock. You literally just go on and just say, I want to start at 10. Here's the five MLS numbers. And these clients are pretty quick and somebody will coordinate everything for you. So they'll be the one who you know, pulls up the map, figures out what's going to be the ideal route to hit these five properties. They'll call the listing agents or showing time or, you know, whatever service that person's using they'll coordinate all of those showings. They'll make sure that the times are appropriate. Um, they'll ask that agent, you know, are there any offers on the table? Is there anything special that we need to know about the home? Anything important to the seller? They'll ask all of those questions. Then they'll actually print out a whole buyer tour for the agent and for the buyer. So that when it's time for the agents to show property, they just, you know, swing by the front desk. They're going to have all the marketing materials are going to be there. There's going to be notes on every single property and they just walk out the door and show because in reality to set up five showings, that's probably an hour worth of work between the back and forth of waiting for the responses from the listing agents to talk to the seller, the seller to go back to the listing agent, back to you and, and all of that. That's probably an hour worth of work. And then also making the, the, the buyer tour and all of that, I mean, hour, maybe two hours of work. So we choose to have our agents not waste time on that and let the team handle that for them so they can just focus on setting up more appointments. That's great. Um, one of the things you mentioned is open houses and we jumped out. I want to go back to that because what I know about you, Kyle, is you uh, actually make money by doing open houses. I see a lot of people who <coughs> they do open houses, right? But if you don't do an open house, right, you're wasting your time. So, 100%. How do you do an open house right? What do you guys do? You talked about 50 signs or even 100 signs. Uh, I think it's so common to go put one sign and put a balloon on it and think that's going to stop people, right? So so talk to us about your open house strategy. Uh, I think you guys actually serve wine and stuff at your open houses and you do one for the neighborhood first and then a follow on. Is yep. that right? Is that what you do? Yeah, I'll walk you through the whole system step by step. So if you're listening to this, you're watching this, like this is the time you write notes. Um, one thing you'll learn, my style is I want to give very, very tactical information, ideally step by step information so that you can go and implement this in your business tomorrow. Um, I don't want to just give you things that are going to like motivate you and inspire you. If that's what you're looking for, like I'm probably not your guy. Um, but if you want to know how to actually go out and make money, like that's my jam. Um, our team will do over 50 transactions this year, over 30 million in volume just from open houses. Um, so it's a huge part of our business. Um, and it's something that we really, really pride ourselves on. If I was a brand new agent, I would be doing at least two, if not four open houses every single week. I think it's one of the best ways to generate revenue in this industry because it's not just about the open house. It's everything that the open house creates all the opportunities that are created for you. And so we have a whole seven day um, program that we follow that really attacks all of those opportunities. 
Um, and now understand you might not start out by doing all seven days worth of this. Maybe you do two or three. And then as you grow, you add four or five and six and seven and, and add all these things on. So don't let these seven days overwhelm you and think, oh, I can't do all of that. Do as much of it as you can. And then add another layer, add another layer and work your way up to it. Um, so the first thing that we do is uh, we start out by mailing invitations to everybody in the neighborhood, which is something that's super unique. It's not a just listed postcard. It's not a just sold postcard. It's an eight and a half by 11 folded card stock put in an envelope like a birthday card size um, and those are mailed to everybody in the neighborhood um, so just depending if it's in a subdivision we'll hit everybody in the subdivision if not we're hitting anywhere from 250 to 500 people a lot depends on the price point of the property so higher priced homes will hit more doors lower priced homes will hit less doors um, but typically 500 on average is what i mail to and so we mail this invitation. It's super classy. It looks like a wedding invitation. It's something that most people have never seen before. Everybody's gotten postcards from realtors, but how many people have actually got something in an envelope, opened it up and had this formal invitation to come to an open house? Like it's something that's super unique that most people haven't seen. Well, that's what you need to do to grab attention from sellers that are thinking about doing something. If you do the same thing everybody else does, you're going to get the same results that they get. If you want to get different results, you need to do things differently. And this is a huge differentiator that you can um, do in your business. If you guys want to see what the invites look like, um, just add me on Instagram, shoot me a DM, and I will send you that so you guys can see what that looks like. Um, that goes out on Monday. So the thought is that goes out Monday. It should arrive at the, at the mailbox by Wednesday, Thursday at the absolute latest. So that goes out. Tuesday, we start running social media ads. And now I understand there's some rules that are gonna change potentially where you maybe can't run these ads until the property's on the MLS. So, um, you know, stay within compliance and laws and all that stuff. But currently we start running social media ads on Tuesday. Um, and that is ideally hitting that, um, that home plus everything that's surrounding it. There's ways that you can do this right now with Facebook, you have to do a 15 mile radius on Facebook but there's a service called Cole, C-O-L-E, Cole Realty Resource. You could put a pin on a map, draw a circle a half mile around it. You could pull in all the names and phone numbers and email addresses of everybody that lives in that half mile radius. And you could then load that up into um, Facebook and Instagram and you could target it that way. Um, some people might think that violates their terms of service. So cool, don't do that. I'll give you another solution. Um, what you can How do you do, spell Cole, Kyle? C-O-L-E. Cole, okay. Yeah. Um, an alternative that is compliant is you can, when you're running a housing ad, it has to be a 15 mile radius. But if you're running an ad about a restaurant, right? We do these restaurant videos. There, there's no rule that says that has to be a 15 mile radius. That I can actually still put a pin on a map, draw a circle a mile around it and target everybody with that. So what we'll do is if you have a specific farm, create a video about a restaurant in your farm or the golf course in your farm or something in your farm and then uh, post that video put a good amount of money behind it to make sure everybody in the community sees that video and then what you can do is build a custom audience off of that video of anybody who's watched at least three seconds of it so this is kind of a workaround if you don't have your a custom audience of your farm in facebook you do a video target your farm plus a mile and put a good amount of money behind that video to make sure everybody sees it. 
And then you can build a custom audience on the back end of anybody who watched three seconds of that video. So it's a little hack of how to now take that list that's your one mile list and now you could run housing ads against that list. So you're not running a radius at all, you're just running it to a specific list. So there's a little, there's two different ways to do that. One, some people might not like, two is totally legal and compliant. So uh, social media ads start on Tuesday. Wednesday is when we go live on the MLS. We're very strategic about when we go live on the MLS because we know that Thursday and Friday are the two busiest days of the week for online search traffic. And whilst the big guys like Zillow, Realtor, Trulia, they syndicate listings within a matter of minutes, a lot of the smaller guys don't. Well, we need to make sure we're on every website by Thursday and Friday. So by going live on Wednesday, by Thursday morning, after all the sites have updated, now we're on every single site and we're zero to one days on market at that point. And most of the sites are ranking you based on days on market. So we wanna make sure we're fresh for Thursday and Friday because that's when buyers are actually searching for homes. Um, a lot of people think the weekend is gonna be the busiest day and that is actually the two slowest days of the week. So we look at the data of when it is that buyers are searching. It's Monday to Friday, nine to five, while they're at work, yes, that's when buyers search. But in particular, Thursday and Friday are the busiest days because they're looking Thursday and Friday for what they wanna go see on Saturday and Sunday. They're not actually looking on Saturday and Sunday. That's all been done in advance. So we go live on Wednesday. Um, that obviously syndicates out to Zillow, to Realtor, to Trulia, all of that stuff. Um, very important, you make sure you have the open house on all of those sites. Um, because buyers a lot of times are searching for the open houses on those websites. So make sure that your opens are on all of these sites. If you're holding a house open for some other agent, make sure by Wednesday that they have that open house up. Um, and don't be afraid to bug somebody. If you're doing an open form, like, hey, I just checked on Zillow and, and uh, Realtor and I don't see the open house on there. Can you make sure to put it on the MLS so it goes to those sites? It's very important. 75% of our open house traffic comes from Zillow and Redfin here in, in San Diego. I know Redfin's not big everywhere, but for us, it's huge. Um, so then Thursday, that's when we go and drop invitations to everybody in the neighborhood. So again, I pay people 15, 20 bucks an hour, um, and they go and deliver invitations to everybody in the neighborhood. They just drop them at the door. Um, now, depending on where you're at in your business, you either have sweat equity or check equity. You got to determine what that is for you. I have check equity, I don't have time or sweat equity. So I pay money for somebody else's time. Some of you guys might not have money, might be newer in the industry. So you don't have money, but you have time. Put that sweat equity in and get your ass out there and knock on some damn doors. But if you're not gonna knock, pay, pay money. Let somebody drop for you. No realtor should be out there unless they're knocking. If you're just dropping, like no joke, I hope this doesn't come across offensive, but in my old neighborhood, the local realtor paid a homeless guy to go and drop all those those uh, you know door drops off. Like I would see the homeless guy out there, like the same guy who I'd see begging for money by the store would then be delivering all these flyers as well. He would do it to make money. Like think about that. That's work that a homeless guy is willing to do. Or I pay high school kids to do that stuff. Your realtor, your time's worth a hundred dollars an hour. What the hell are you doing? So you either knock or pay somebody to do this stuff for you. Um, and then Friday, we take that same list we got from Cole Realty Resource, plug that into Mojo, and we circle dial everybody in the neighborhood. So it's strategic because by the time we're making those dials, they've got something in the mail, they've seen it on social media, if they've been on any of the portals, they've seen it on there, and they got something at the doorstep. So now when you make that call, that call becomes a lot easier 
because now it's, hey, Brian, I wanted to follow up, make sure you got the invite for the party we're doing over at 123 Main Street. Like, oh yeah, I saw that. You sent that out, I think I got that yesterday. Yeah, like it's- Right now you're a warm lead. You're open, right? Now, here's the key. If you guys are out there, you're door knocking, you're doing circle dials, the whole point of those is not to get somebody to come to the open house. I could not care less if Brian comes to the open house or not. If I get him at the door or I get him on the phone, I got what I want at that point, which is to be in conversation with Brian. But what I see most agents do is, hey, Brian, I want to follow up. Make sure you got the invite to the open house. And you're like, yeah, I got it. Oh, all right. Well, I'll be there. Cool, man. I'll see you there. What the hell are you doing? Like, you have Brian. You have the fish on the line. Like, reel them in. Like, now transition the conversation and say, you know, hey, Brian, do you know anybody who's looking to make a move into the neighborhood? Or who do you know who's looking to make a move in the neighborhood? Oh, I, I can't think of anybody. I don't really know anyone at this time. Well, how long have you lived here, Brian? Five years. Oh, okay, cool. Um, have you ever had any thoughts of making a move? No, not really. I mean, but if you did move, where would you go? Oh, well, what is it that would take you there? Like, just start asking some conversations because the open house is the excuse to knock on the door. It's the excuse to make the phone call. Once you get in conversation, now transition and do your job as a fucking salesperson and sell. Like, that's your job. That's what my license says on it. It says real estate salesperson, sell. This is what you signed on for your salesperson like it or not this is what your job is in california your license says salesperson on it sell um so you door knock thursday you call friday um we typically depending on the time of year so right now we're in the, the fall winter time it's dark at five o'clock here in san diego so um what we'll do is we'll do a uh, 10 to 12 open house for the neighbors and then we'll follow it up with a 12 to two open house for the public. When we do the neighbor section of it, we typically have food and drinks. So this time of year when we're doing breakfast, we do things like donuts and coffee. Uh, we do, we've done crepes and coffee. We've done uh, Mary's donuts and mimosas. Um, we've done like fun things like that for the morning time. Um, if it's nighttime, so when we get into the spring and summer where it's dark till six, seven, eight o'clock, We'll do them on the Friday night and we'll do fun things like wine and cheese, sushi and sake. We've done tacos and margaritas, you know, fun things along those lines. So, um, but we do like to separate the neighbors out from the public. So in a perfect world, we're doing the neighbors on Friday night and then we follow up Saturday and do the public open house. Um, when we do the opens, we typically have uh, north of 20 signs. We give all of our agents that join our team 25 signs because we want them to have at least 25 out. Um, when I have my big ones, there's a lot of times I'll have 100 signs out for a single open house because logically the more signs you put up, the more people you're gonna have show up and the more you're going to brand yourself in the neighborhood. And honestly, the greatest compliment I can get from somebody is when they show up, like, you think you guys put enough signs out? That's so ridiculous. I say, thank you. <laughs> because when they go to sell their house, they want that shit too. They don't want the, the agent with one sign that it's falling over. They want the agent who put a hundred signs up because that shows people that you hustle, right? That you do things differently than everybody else. So your signage is part of your calling card. Right? You're auditioning for your next listing every time you're doing an open house. A um, couple other little things on the opens too. We always have at least two, if not three people at our opens. Um, so for me personally, the person I pay to put the signs out also works the door for me during the open house. And then they take the signs down after the open house. 
Um, so when somebody comes to the door, they're signing everybody in. We use Spacio um, to sign people in. So what I like with Spacio is as soon as they sign in, it automatically imports that person into my Boomtown account right there on the spot. So I love that automation, which then triggers follow-up campaigns and all kinds of fun stuff. Um, and then as that door person is talking to them, they're just simply asking, do you live in the neighborhood? If yes, they're going to then walk them over and introduce them to me. If no, they're going to walk them and introduce them to whichever buyer's agents hosting the open house with me. Because when I do my open houses, all I want are the neighbors because those are also known as sellers. And I want my agent that's working to work with the buyers because I'm, I don't work with buyers traditionally. Um, and they're going to be much better suited to help them out. One of the cool things when you have three people is we always scout the inventory in the neighborhood prior to the open house. We know what the inventory is and we know what's vacant. So that if somebody comes in and that house isn't a fit for them, we know about one, two, three Main Street around the corner that's vacant. And one of us could jump out and go show that real quick because we still have two people left at the house. So if we get somebody, a good fish on the line that's hot, we'll reel them in and we'll go take them. If, if this house doesn't work, we'll go drive you and show you that house or that house that's vacant that we already have access instructions for. Um, and so we'll bounce them around to those. Um, and we also have music, we have food, we have drinks. We, we use Scentsy warmers so that you have the right sense. Like you want to appeal, right? Sight, taste, touch, sound, smell, like all that stuff. Um, you want to appeal to all those senses. So we make sure that we're um, appealing to everything throughout the open house. That's great. I mean, that, that alone, Kyle, is just uh, great advice. Anybody, anybody wanting, and I, like you said, new to the industry, what a great way to have an amazing first year in the business. Just, just do that one thing, right? How many, people do, week. how many people typically come through your open houses? Um, in my farm, it's grown over time. So the first time I did one of these big events, I maybe had 10 or 15 people. Now it's consistently 50 to 100. And it's a lot of the same people over and over again. But the thing is, they start to become friends. And yep. what's funny is like in my neighborhood, if it's a wine and cheese one, like the guys now will roll up with like a cooler full of beer. Or if I do one that's like a beer focused one, there's like a group of girls will roll up with like a bottle of wine in hand. Like it's hilarious how it works. Um, it. But it's become like a social thing in the community. People love coming out because they know other neighbors are gonna come out and they all socialize and they talk and they hang out. And a lot of times they'll bring their friend and like, oh, this is my friend Billy. He's actually thinking about moving in the neighborhood. Oh, how convenient is that? Um, because the reason we do the neighbor open house before the public is we want the neighbors to know about the house and then they're part of our viral army that's going to go tell everybody else about it. So we bring, you know, 50 neighbors in, they see this cool house and then they think in their mind, oh, well, Johnny's looking for a house in the neighborhood. Now they tell Johnny and they're like, oh, hey, Johnny, by the way, they're going to have it open tomorrow. You should come by and check it out. Uh, it works like clockwork. Okay. Thank you for sharing that. Um, couple other things I wanted to cover, Kyle. One is EXP. Why EXP? Yeah, so I think everybody's story is a little bit different on why they came over. So I'll just share my story really quick. Um, I ran my own independent brokerage in San Diego uh, for the entire time I've been in the business. When I was with my dad, he ran his own independent brokerage. So when I left him, I was like, well, I'll just run my own independent brokerage because that's just what we do. Um, and I mean, we had an amazing run. But what ends up happening when you're a high producing agent, you get a lot of brokerages that are calling you, trying to recruit you to come join them. Well, when you run a high producing brokerage, now you get the big brokerages calling you. Um, 
And then what they're trying to do is M&A, mergers and acquisitions. And so we started going down the road with some of the biggest brands in the world that had come and approached us about M&A. And we kind of went through the entire process. I wasn't really planning on selling or anything at that time, but I was like, hey, these guys are reaching out. Let's explore it. Like, let's see what the opportunities are that are out there. So <clears throat> we kind of ran through that process with them. And what I learned is that my brokerage was freaking worthless <laughs> because the way that they value a brokerage is off of the EBITDA, earnings before interest taxes, depreciation assets, all of that. Um, but what they'll typically do is they'll remove the production of the broker owner from the equation. Well, a lot of people, um, they were running like brokerage slash teams or they call them a teamerage like I was. What ends up happening is the production of all the agents covers the expenses. And then the broker owner, me in that scenario, was all of the profit. Well, the problem is once you take me out, there is no profit. The thing ran, you know, almost at a break even. Well, when they value these things, they take that EBITDA and they apply some multiplier to them. Two, three, four, five, six percent, somewhere in that range typically. Well, you could multiply zero by a million, still zero. Um, so the brokerage I built that I thought was worth millions and millions of dollars was in fact not. Um, and so what happened as I went through that journey is that I started to get very uh, keen on the idea of getting rid of all the responsibility of being the broker. Because these guys sold me so much on, on how nice it would be to let them take that weight off my shoulders. And I totally bought into that. I just didn't buy into giving my brokerage away. So at that point, I was hooked on getting rid of the responsibility and the liability. So I was like, okay, well, it doesn't make sense to sell. Maybe we should just go join a brokerage. And so I looked at all the brokerages out there and my entire career, the whole reason I never joined a brokerage, I never saw alignment with what I'm paying versus what I'm getting. The majority of the brokerages out there, I pay all this money for a brand name. Like, I don't need your brand name. I'm the brand, right? Like Whistle is the brand. I don't need Remax or Century 21 or any of that. Like, that's not the brand. Whistle's the brand. And so I, it never made sense. I wasn't getting anything for what I was giving. So when I finally came across EXP, I saw things kind of tilt to balance, if not an imbalance in my favor, because now I, I hardly had to pay them any money, but I was getting a ton out of them. Um, and they provide so much. One, taking all that liability off of my plate, that was huge and amazing. And it's been so nice now to where when shit hits the fan or an agent does something stupid, I don't get that letter anymore. I don't get that phone call. I don't deal with that anymore. That all gets passed off to the broker. So that's been amazing. Because um, I had things before where like an agent gave the buyer keys three days before closing and the buyer demoed the entire house before they ever owned it. And the neighbor took a video, turned it in and, and guess who gets the letter? Not the agent, I do. Like that was insane, that was maddening. So to get rid of all that was phenomenal. Um, and initially when I came over, there's a lot of talk about like the stock and the revenue share at EXP and that stuff was very attractive to me. But what I've learned <clears throat> since coming over is that EXP's created something that's pretty magical. And it's because of the stock and the revenue share. It's not the stock and the revenue share itself. What the stock and revenue share has created is this culture of sharing that doesn't exist in any other brokerage out there. Because in any other brokerage, there's no financial alignment between the agents within the brokerage, right? If I go help 
uh, Jody Lynn sell five more houses and you know, she's in my brokerage and she sells five more houses. I get zero financial benefit from that. At eXp now, I help Jody go sell five more houses. Now I have a financial benefit via the revenue share. So what's happened is because as we attract agents into this company, when they grow their teams, when they sell more houses, I have a financial interest in that via the revenue share. So as a result, I pour into my people. Um, Dan Beer is a partner with me. We literally just hired a girl full time just to help to love on all of our people and to provide as much value as we possibly can for them because we have a vested interest in seeing all of those people grow their teams and sell more houses. So we're doing live Q&A every single week. We're doing live training from $50 million producers every single week. We just hired one of the biggest network marketers in the world. We're paying him $1,000 an hour just to coach our people there because we know all of the effort that we put in to help everybody sell more homes is going to have a financial benefit for us. And so, and that's what you're gonna see company-wide at eXp is everybody's so willing to help each other out because we actually have financial alignment with the revenue share and the stock because as the company grows, we just passed 25,000 agents. The more this company grows, you're seeing the stock grow with it. And it's cool to be a part of that. So instead of focusing on just your local agents, you're focusing on agents all over the country. All over the world, yeah. I mean, we're in two countries now and, and we're working on that. We just opened two more countries up, so. It's, okay. it's been amazing. Okay. I know time's gone really fast. Uh, I did want to find out how are you going to get from 350 to 1,000? And I think this is really a big, anyone that hears that's like, okay, what's going on here? Yeah. <laughs> that, that's, that's some growth that most of us can't comprehend. So talk to us about that. For sure. Um, so two things. One, my entire focus in 2020 is purely on people. I have no desire to add any new systems to my business, any new lead sources to my business. I purely want to focus on people. So we've hired a director of WOW for our group at eXp. We're also hiring a director of WOW for our group at Whistle. And that person's sole job is just to provide a WOW experience for all of the agents that are a part of Whistle, as well as all of the people that choose to work with or refer business to Whistle. And so they're looking for trigger events in people's lives, birthdays, anniversaries, weddings, children, stuff like that, just to show them love, to wow them um, and with, with whistle, right? To, oh, they just had a kid, let's send them a nice little gift you know, basket and some cool things that'll help them out. It's their first kid or um, you know, somebody's a brand new client that's working with us. Let's give them a nice little swag bag with some you know, things like a little game board that's gonna help them walk through the process of buying a home, of selling a home. Like, let's just do all kinds of amazing little things for our clients, for our agents to really ensure they have a wow experience. So that's a huge, huge focus. Um, John Cheplak talks about this. And John, I think you stole this from Howard Schultz. I've learned from uh, Starbucks, but you know, it's, we're not a real estate company. We're a people company. If we take care of our people, our people will take care of the real estate. So we're just all about focusing on the people in 2020 because we know every, the real estate will take care of itself as a result of it. So that's a big part of it. And I would encourage all of you guys to really think about the experience you're providing to everybody who comes in contact with you. And is that a wow experience? And if you guys want to learn more about that, John Glutch, who's out in um, Scottsdale, Arizona, this guy I've learned this from, he's amazing. Um, so super stoked to learn from him. And, that, and the most of the stuff I do, I learn from other people and then I just take it and run with it. 
Um, the second thing is that we had the honor of being Zillow's broker partner for the Zillow Offers program in San Diego. Um, so Zillow is now providing a solution to homeowners that don't want to deal with the traditional sale routes. They don't want to deal with the, the repairs, the showings, the um, negotiations, the waiting for offers, the open houses. A lot of people don't want to deal with that, so Zillow's buying homes. Uh, directly from homeowners now and we're partnered up to help them implement that program. So um, our goal is to see our existing uh, sales team grow from just over 300 transactions to 600 transactions next year and then for our Zillow team to uh, help fit the uh, the rest of that bill to help us get over a thousand and there's a, a stretch goal to hit 2000 before the year's over next year. And so we're really focusing on on the people and um, just making sure all of the systems we have in place are dialed in and not constantly trying to add more shit. Because um, the more you add, a lot of times you just cause more work and more stress and more headaches. So uh, less is more for us in 2020. Exciting. Congratulations on landing that. Um, Thank you. One of the things you talk about, Kyle, is, you know, you well, you talk about all these things you've learned. What is the best way? Is there a book that you've read that you think everybody needs to read or what advice you have? What's the best way for somebody, even a top team owner today, to, to learn things, to really take their business, their life, and their wealth to the next level? It's honestly, it's surround yourself with people that are smarter than you and or are where you want to go. Um, so I'm going to an event next month to put myself in a room with guys like Chris Lindahl out of Minnesota, guys like Gary Ashton out of Nashville, guys like Justin Haver out of uh, Calgary, guys that are doing 2000 plus deals. If I want to do 2000 plus deals, I need to get in rooms with guys like that and girls like that because they've been there, they've done that. I'm gonna go and surround myself with those people because being around those people and learning what they're doing in their businesses is what's going to get me there. The key, is I don't just go to the room though. Like just because I'm around them doesn't mean I'm gonna sell 2000. I'm gonna sit there and I'm gonna feverishly write notes and learn as much as I can and ask questions of these people um, and do everything I can to learn everything about how they've done it. And then as soon as I get back, I'm gonna implement like a motherfucker because implementation is the key. Gary Vee has a quote, ideas are shit, implementation is the game. Like I'm going to implement like crazy. And I think that honestly is what separates the average agent from the agents that are doing hundreds of deals a year is they actually implement this shit, right? You could go and you could read all these books and go to these conferences and watch these podcasts and webinars and stuff. But if you don't execute on the ideas, there's no point. It's all about execution. So instead of going to next year, I, I usually go to like two events a month. I'm cutting that down to one event a month because I don't need all of that education. I just need to be more focused. So instead of you know going to a two day event and then flying out as soon as the event's over, staying one more day, but then making sure that one extra day is focused on recapping everything I learned the two days before and putting my implementation plan in place. So now adding an extra day to every trip I go on, just so I can focus on the implementation part of it. I love it. So if I'm in, a, if I'm running a team, let's just say here in Salt Lake, how do I find out about these events, right? I mean, thankfully I've been fortunate enough to be around people like you that have introduced me into all the names you just read, you know, mentioned. Yeah. And, and I, I've been able to do that. But if I'm a team owner, how do I get in front of 
these types of individuals? For sure. Um, well, the three that I'm probably the most stoked on right now, um, one, my group at EXP, because we have tons of amazing people like Jay Kinder and Michael Reese are part of my group. Like I love to learn from those guys, right? Jay's been on like 3000 listing appointments in his career. Like that's a guy I want to be in a room with. So, um, you know, hopefully you have groups like that at the brokerage that you're at. If not, maybe you, you explore other options. Um, I love John Cheplak, his coaching, especially for team leaders is totally amazing right now. Uh, Tom Ferry's amazing. I personally coach with Tom. Um, he has a program specifically geared towards team leaders. Um, so he's awesome. And then there's a group that Spring and I are part of that uh, Frank Klesitz puts on called Mastermind Club. And those events have been really killer. So there's three ideas, you know, Chet Black, Ferry, and uh, Mastermind Club. Those have been three you know, groups that I'm gonna be focused on a lot in 2020. Awesome, thank you for sharing that. Just last thing, how do people get a hold of you, Kyle? I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people wanting to learn more about some of these things. Yeah, um, two things. One, go to thewhistleway.com, and you can on there you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and YouTube, um, and you can see all the content that we're creating. Um, you can also join our Facebook group through there. Um, so if you go to the Whistle Way, you can join our Facebook group, and that's where you can ask us questions. Um, and learn all the things that we're working on in our business. Anytime we're implementing something new, we always share it there first. Um, so I'd love for you to join us there. And then if you wanna just directly message me, don't add me on Facebook, I can't add anybody else. And if you message me, it goes somewhere that I forget about and can never find. So uh, follow me on Instagram, at Kyle Whistle, and shoot me a DM on there. That's the best way to get a hold of me. Um, and like I mentioned earlier, if you wanna see the invitation that we use for the open houses, just um, DM me on Instagram and I'll shoot that over to you. So thewhistleway.com or at Kyle Whistle on Insta. Okay, Kyle, thanks so much. We appreciate your time. I know we've gone a little longer than we normally do, but uh, it's been great. Thank you so much. So there you have it. Thank you for joining us on our podcast. If you have an interest in a free seven-day trial of Sisu, make sure that you use the coupon GRIT, that's G-R-I-T, to waive all your setup fees and receive a 10% discount on your subscription. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast and want to subscribe, search GRIT, the Real Estate Growth Mindset Podcast on iTunes. And with that, we'll catch you next time. Take care.